and making a difference every day. Welcome to the Animal Care and Welfare Podcast, iBuzz, where we combine the science and practice of animal welfare in a fun and engaging way, where we answer questions, find solutions, discuss tools, and achieve results, all for happy animals and people. I'm your host, Sabrina Brando, and this podcast is brought to you by Animal Concepts, and the Practical Animal Welfare Science Membership Experience. Let's buzz! Welcome to another episode of iBuzz, the podcast by Animal Concepts and the Practical Animal Welfare Platform. I'm absolutely delighted today to welcome Erica Fleury. She's the Program Director of the North American Primate Sanctuary Alliance. Welcome, Erica. Hi, Sabrina. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So, we have been in contact on email several times, also in you know discussions about collaborations on potential you know seminars together, and we've met at the, a collaborative workshop, and we're going to come back to that later. So, but of course, you know, for those of you uh, out there listening to this podcast, Erica, could you please introduce yourself a little bit? You know, your background, and of course, how did you end up working at NAPSA? Sure, sure. So um, my name is Erica Fleury. I am an author and the program director of the North American Primate Sanctuary Alliance, which we also call NAPSA, because that's much easier to say than <laughs> that big mouthful of a name. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and NAPSA is a coalition of nine of the leading primate sanctuaries in North America. That there, there's one member in Canada and the rest are in the United States. Our members care for over 830 non-human primates that have been rescued and retired from laboratory research, the entertainment industry, and the pet trade. Our number, the number of primates living in our member sanctuaries is constantly changing and constantly raising because primates are leaving those industries in much greater numbers than ever before. So the need for primate sanctuaries is very great. Um, NAPSA itself was formed in 2010 uh, as a method of uniting the primate sanctuary community and giving it a unified voice. There, at that time and still, there are, were a lot of um, topics that they needed to speak about together and their voice was stronger when unified than if they were to work on these uh, important issues individually. So the founders of, at that time, I think it was eight sanctuaries, got together and formed NAPSA and we've, we've grown since. And, um, and we're, we're really proud of the work we do. We, we not only work with our member sanctuaries, but also with non-member sanctuaries. That might be to facilitate placements if a monkey or an ape needs uh, a home in a sanctuary, or it just might be to, to join forces uh, to work on a joint project or to you know, encourage legislation that might limit primate ownership, those types of things. Um, my background is um, really more in the, the writing and advocacy side of things. I first learned about, or I really started learning about primates a lot when I was in college. 
I, uh, I always say it was the, this, the last semester of my senior year, I had some time in my schedule and I took a primatology course and absolutely fell in love with it. And if I had found that course earlier in my college career, I think I would have changed schools and switched my major and really gone into primatology uh, officially. So I was an unofficial primatologist for a long time. I, I just read all the books I could and I, I just was really enamored with the whole topic. Um, particularly about chimpanzees and sign language. That's where it started for me, but then of course it grew from there. And as someone who's always been interested in animal rights, um, I quickly began understanding the issues involved with, um, with the sign language studies, for instance, and with, with primates as pets and, and their use in all these other industries. So it, it grew from there. Um, at, at some point I decided, okay, I've had enough of working in jobs that um, I don't really, care about with a passion and I want to switch and do something to help the primate sanctuary community. So I had uh, sent some letters out to a number of organizations and sanctuaries and I heard back from one. It was the Primate Rescue Center in Kentucky <clears throat> and they uh, invited me to come out and, excuse me, I have a little thing in my throat. <laughs> they invited me to come out and, um, and, and basically intern there for a short while and see what it was like. So I did that and, and the rest is history. I fell in love with it and, and uh, that led to my job with NAPSA. It led to a book that I wrote about the history of primate rights. And I think I could go on and on, but you tell me what you'd like to hear more specifically about because when it comes to primates, I just won't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely great. Yeah, so, and, and I think, you know, the, the podcast uh, audience tend to be people who are working uh, for and with animals, learning from animals, um, you know, in zoos, aquariums, wildlife centers, sanctuaries, and lots of different places uh, where, where we have primates and, and animals in general, and especially also, you know, the negative information that you uh, talked about because a lot of people are also trying to get into the field so you talked about you know doing an internship and trying to get a feel for what it's like and falling in love with you know a topic and, and those are so important right if you want to try and get a, a job especially in the field of animal welfare and animal protection because those jobs are really hard to get so perhaps you can say also a little bit more about you know how how that w worked for you yeah, that's a really important topic. Um, that's a question that NAPSA gets a lot because there are so many people that love primates or or just exotic animals in general and wish to know how they can make that career shift and uh, either, you know, either change their career entirely to work with them or if they're a younger person starting their career in that way. So what I learned, and this is still true, is that um, it's really important well, the first, I guess the first question to consider is, are you willing to move? Because primate sanctuaries tend to be located in rural areas um, that, you know, may not have a lot of other industries around. Um, that's because to house exotic animals that are large and, and noisy, um, you know, you don't want, you can't be in a city doing that. You need to be in a rural area. So, um, but that can be challenging because not everyone can move and especially not for something they've never tried before. So the sanctuaries, almost all of the sanctuaries do offer internships. Um, and you, you do not need to be, you know, a college student in order to engage in that. I was already out of school and just, you know, a young adult. Um, so that's something to consider. You can, you can always check NAPSA's website, which is primatesanctuaries.org. 
and there's a, under our about tab, there's a section that says job and volunteer listings. And on there, you can see what internships, what paid positions and what volunteer positions are available. Um, all the sanctuaries rely on volunteer services to help carry out their mission. Um, of course, now we are dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic and many volunteer programs have been um, shut down for right now, but they're starting to reopen. So that's just something to consider. But even if you, for whatever reason, are not able to travel to a sanctuary at this time and you wanna help, there are things you can do. So for me, um, my talent is writing and that's something that I can do from home. And that's something that I you know, enjoy. And I decided to use that skill to benefit primate welfare. So how I did that was um, through writing a book. I, you know, I think I mentioned earlier that I was reading all these books about primates and, and just, I couldn't get enough of it, but I also couldn't find a book about the history of primate rights. And I recognized that that was a very significant movement that was um, still sort of in its infancy um, and, and would continue to become more and more relevant and important over the years. So I said, oh, this is something I could do. I could gather the information about what's already happened into one volume and present that as the world and help legitimize it and help, help um, others understand why collectively this is all so important and so um, compelling. So, so that was something that I could do instead of moving to a sanctuary. Um, but many people are able to move to a sanctuary and that's great. And in order to work at a primate sanctuary, it's really, it's very helpful to have any experience working with animals. It doesn't have to be experienced with monkeys or apes. Um, I know when I first interned at the primate rescue center, I remember a lot of the employees there had uh, like farm animal experience. And that wasn't something I had. And I think that's why that led to me doing more of the administrative side of things because that was where my skills lay. But if you have experience with dogs, if you have experience with horses, with goats, you know, um, any number of animals, zoo experience can be great. So maybe if someone doesn't live near a sanctuary, but they live near a zoo, they can start, uh, start perhaps start a, a career there and get that experience. And if they want to shift to a sanctuary, then they're more, um, they're more able to do that and, and they'll have that experience behind them. So um, I think it, it definitely involves some creativity and just having the gumption to reach out and, and ask. That's what I did. And that's, that's what helped me for sure. Because I said, I want this. I want to get to, to this point. How do I do that? And thankfully, I was able to get some advice on that and, and apply it. And, and it worked for me. But, it, but um, it's, I think everyone's road to that is different. And it just made, for some people, it may be as simple as getting a, a degree in primatology from a college, because that's also an option. So so it can, it can vary greatly, but, but there's ways to get there if that's something that someone wants to do. Wonderful. Yes, and we'll make sure to obviously put links with the podcast on how, you know, people can find out more about NAPSA and also on, you know, volunteering and job opportunities. And you already, you know, even briefly just now into the podcast, you already mentioned so many times things that point to collaboration about learning uh, interdisciplinary work, you know, whether, you know, you're getting experiences with different animals and species or different facility types that all can help, you know, you grow and of course help animals long-term in, 
you know, their welfare and their care. So that's really wonderful. And we're going to, I'm sure, come back to collaboration a lot more. Uh, but first, you know, tell us a little bit more about, you know, NAPSA and the, and the Alliance and the, and, and the members, the Sanctuary members. Sure, sure. So um, NAPSA, you know, I mentioned now it's in its 10th year. Um, we currently have nine member sanctuaries. Uh, we have one member that's working its way up to full membership. So we have different tiers of membership. Um, but our full members and even those that are working their way up to full membership all have certain re requirements that they must meet. And it's important to realize that NAPSA does not accredit its members. We rely on professional organizations who specialize in that. And we are a membership organization. So in order to be a member of NAPSA, there are many uh, requirements that a sanctuary must meet. And you can certainly find these on our website, um, but I'll go over the most important ones. Um, most importantly, or to begin with, we require that a sanctuary be um, accredited by either the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries or certified by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. Uh, those two organizations are the gold standards for animal care and they have very high um, standards of care that must be met in order to be accredited or certified by them. So um, that's necessary. We also require that they be licensed by the USDA or in Canada, um, it's equivalent, and that they um, follow all state and you know, local regulations on animal care. Now, beyond that, um, it was very important for NAPSA that we only welcome into our alliance true sanctuaries. So not sanctuary, not facilities that might exploit their animals in any way. So we require that they implement birth control protocols, that they be uh, a nonprofit organization. They must not be open to the public on a daily basis. They must not allow unescorted public visitation. Um, and they must not engage in any commercial trade of primates or use them in entertainment, you know, take them off the property for educational purposes, anything like that is counterintuitive to the sanctuary ethos. And so uh, we take that very seriously. We relatedly, uh, we also have documents on our website under our advocacy tab um, about how to identify a true sanctuary. Um, there are facilities out there that can call themselves a sanctuary and it can be very troubling and confusing to the public um, because if you don't know the difference between a true sanctuary and another facility you may um, believe that you're supporting a facility that's helping primates when they really could be exploiting them they could be breeding and selling them into the private ownership they could be you know charging people money to take a photo with a with a chimpanzee which can be extremely harmful for everyone involved so um, we're very committed to educating the public about the importance of recognizing a true sanctuary from a pseudo sanctuary. Yes. Um, our, yeah, so our members, I know you had asked about who, who our member sanctuaries are. Um, they're, they're all over the country really. And then uh, we, men, you know, we have Fauna Foundation in Canada. And then beyond that, I'll just list them off so everyone can know who they are. Uh, the Center for Great Apes in Wachula, Florida. Chimpanzee Sanctuary Northwest in Clee Ellum, Washington. Chimp Haven in Keithville, Louisiana. Cleveland Amory Black Beauty Ranch in Murchison, Texas. Uh, Jungle Friends Primate Sanctuary in Gainesville, Florida. Primates Incorporated in Madison, Wisconsin. 
Project Chimps in Blue Ridge, Georgia. And um, Fauna Foundation that I mentioned that they're in Quebec, Canada. And then we have our introductory member, Endangered Primate Foundation, which is in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and we're, we're welcoming new members all the time. I actually think we'll have news to announce in maybe two months about a new member. So it's very exciting and we're, we're happy to see this because it means that sanctuaries are strengthening and they are committed to meeting the highest level of care for the, the animals that they, that they care for. And that's very important and, and necessary to ensure their stability as a sanctuary. Um, because these animals, you know, have nowhere else to go and we must ensure that the sanctuaries are able to provide the very best enriched lifetime care for, for these animals to whom they've committed. Yes, and some, as we're listening to the names, there's uh, one, of course, that jumps out with regards to the name, which is the Amory Black Beauty Ranch, which, um, you know, is not, or in also the Fauna Foundation, if you don't necessarily know the, the tagline or the, the slogan that goes with it, but is, are there also other animals in these different sanctuaries, or is it really, uh, or predominantly primates and then other animals? That's a great question. It's about 50-50. So um, the sanctuaries that have other animals uh, include Chimpanzee Sanctuary Northwest. They actually um, have cows now. Um, and I don't know if their uh, cow population will be growing or not. They're, they're bovines, um, but uh, they rescued them about two years ago. Other than that, though, they just have chimps. Um, Black Cleveland Amory Black Beauty Ranch, they have many, many species, everything from tigers to hoofstock to, you know, marmosets. So that's a huge facility, definitely not only primates there. Um, Fauna Foundation also has a, a large number of farm animals. And the rest are just primates. So wonderful. it can vary. Yes, yeah. that's wonderful. Um, because of yeah. course all animals uh, need places to go and it's wonderful that sanctuaries there's different many different sanctuaries out there from farm animals to to animals coming from the pet uh, trade and, and others so that's really really great to hear and of course you know the work of these sanctuaries is a lot uh, with regards to having to care for all these these animals um, and also of course it also costs a lot of money uh, to do this. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how, you know, in what ways does NAPSA help with fundraising uh, or helping on the financial level or how, how does it actually work? Um, mm -hmm. It is, it is challenging. Absolutely. Uh, so these are all nonprofit organizations who are not open to the public. So they don't have ticket sales to rely on in the way that zoos would. Uh, so they must fundraise themselves individually. There are foundations that help them. And, you know, there's a number of foundations that support virtually all of our members or just some of them. And, you know, there's a lot of common uh, commonalities there, as well as donors that support a number of sanctuaries. Um, but NAPSA itself doesn't typically um, fundraise for its members. Um, we are in the in the process of kicking off a new fundraiser now that's emer an emergency response um, that I can talk about in a bit. But but really, NAPSA exists as a, a way of strengthening our members. And I think it benefits our members when it comes to fundraising when they can say they're a NAPSA member. Because then that shows that they have met the highest levels of care. 
that they have the policies in place to ensure the strength of their organization and to ensure that you know donors funding will be used appropriately um, and responsibly and I think that's how NAPSA membership benefits them financially. Now we also offer other services like access to a fundraising platform that they can use and you know um, we've hired consultants in the past on things like um, social media, advocacy work and um, and that those types of services really benefit them as well but financially I think being a member is helps ensure donor confidence in the organizations. Yes, and these things are so important and also to understand how all these things fit together and, and as you talk about again this importance of you know strengthening each other through you know uniting through an umbrella organization such as uh, NAPSA and and you also I see uh, on the website that you see uh, organized workshops which uh, for for the members can you talk a little bit about the the workshops because that's also a way of learning and strengthening uh, from each other and on new topics, I, I guess. Yeah, I think the NAPSA workshops are a real shining star for us. Um, those are uh, conferences that we hold every two years. We were supposed to have held one actually last week and it just pains me so much that COVID-19 uh, had to change those plans. So um, as of now, our next workshop will be in 2022. But um, typically every two years, we hold these conferences and get everyone together from not only the member sanctuaries, but also other sanctuaries and people from the zoo community and uh, people interested in animal welfare, animal rights, primate researchers, professors, really, and, and the, the general public. You can come and, and attend even just because you love primates and you wanna learn more about them. That's how I started attending. Um, and it's really fun because you get to have everyone all together focused on discussing whatever those relevant issues are at the time. Um, last, our last workshop in 2018 was in Gainesville, Florida, and it was all about monkey retirement. We called it Mission Possible. <laughs> like not Mission <laughs> Impossible, but Mission Possible because we wanted to really focus on the need to retire monkeys out of laboratories, out of private ownership um, quickly and, and, and uh, practically and with ease because that's really the dominant need in sanctuaries right now. Um, so, so we focus on these different topics. If, if our workshop were held in 2020, the topic was um, to strengthen caregivers. So that was, that's something that's very important to us. I think you know, Sabrina, very well the importance of compassion fatigue and you know this is what you do right strengthening those who care for animals and supporting them so that was something we were very excited to hold and we will be holding it eventually um, but our workshops are just so inspiring and and i remember the first time i went to one i was pretty awestruck by who was there because if you're into primate welfare and into primate sanctuaries some of these people are real superstars and you know these these women who founded primate sanctuaries decades and decades ago and have helped contribute to major shifts in our culture and major legal changes um it's just awesome to see them all together and the power in that room is really really cool <laughs> so that sounds something fantastic. we're happy to do yes yeah it's really fun we need we need you to come yeah. to the next one 
Okay, thank you. I would love that. And but we'll definitely because and it's so wonderful to hear that it's open to everybody and that again it's about collaborating, coming together for animals and for people. Uh, and that it's open uh, also for people who love primates and might not even work in primates. Uh, because I know from a marine mammal background that I'm from that we've had people attending our seminars that work in completely different jobs, but they just love you know, marine mammals. So they wanted to come uh, and it, they were always very happy that it was open because not all conferences are a workshop. So, so great to hear that. And we'll definitely put links to those and we'll keep an eye out for the one in 2022, so that's wonderful. Yeah. And um, you already mentioned, you know, also in the workshop content, it could be uh, primate rights. You are the author of a book on primate rights, as you just mentioned. Can you talk a little bit more about your book? Yeah, sure. My book is called Monkey Business, A History of Non-Human Primate Rights. And you can find it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever you get books. Um, and so I will admit, though, I wrote it in 2013, and a lot has changed. And that's a really good thing, right? Um, it's really great. But there are some things that are slightly out of date in it now, particularly when it comes to um, the legal shift in protecting chimpanzees in the US, their use in laboratory research, um, their endangerment status has thankfully gotten much better for them. So um, if you read it, just remember that. But um, it's what it is is a compilation of everything up until 2013 and how that contributed to to these major changes um so you know chimpanzees being phased out of laboratory research would never have happened if not for everything that happened prior to that so i was really happy to compile it all into one volume and show how all the work of these important people many of whom i work with now in napsa um, how their work changed the world for primate welfare in, in the United States, in North America, and then expanding out, you know, in the world. So um, the way that humans have considered primates and used them in various ways and exhibited them or, um, you know, used their bodies and just considered their, their welfare has changed so much. And we still have a ways to go, of course, but, um, but it's, it's accelerating at a much faster pace than ever before. And what I love to hear is when you talk to some of my coworkers who have been doing this a lot longer than I have, you know, women who founded sanctuaries 40 years ago, and you say to them, did you ever think that you would see the day when chimpanzees are no longer being tested on? They said, absolutely not. It's something we all hoped for and worked for and prayed for, but you know, it seemed so far off and it seemed almost an impossible task. And yet here we are. So there's a lot to celebrate and there's a lot to learn from those successes because there is still so much more to go, uh, to, to do. There are so many monkeys. There's hundreds of thousands of monkeys in the United States living in laboratories. And that's terrible and, and mind boggling. And that's something that, you know, we all hope to change just as much as we change things for chimpanzees. So, um, you. Yes. You can, yeah, yeah. Thank you for letting me talk about my book. And I will also mention, I'm, I'm, uh, I just finished writing my second book. It's not published yet, but it's in the works. And wow, it's congratulations. about, <laughs> thank you. It's actually very relevant to this conversation because it's about the founders of primate sanctuaries. So there's eight strong, fascinating women who I focused on, um, who founded the first primate sanctuaries in North America and how they did that and why they did that and 
what it felt like to do that because there's some commonalities, but there's also a lot of differences. And, and I thought it important to celebrate those individuals because if they hadn't taken those risks and pursued what they thought was right, then many hundreds and thousands of animal lives would not have been would not have benefited from that. And that's very significant and important to me. So I hope everyone enjoys reading it as soon as it comes out. Yes, we'll definitely put links to both of your books. And as always, um, I think, you know, it's important to talk about everything and we can have very different stances. We can have different, you know, opinions, um, experiences, but the importance is to continue the dialogue, to talk, to learn, to grow, to change um, and act for animals uh, in their best interest. So I'm absolutely um, honored to talk about anything um, with anybody really and today um, to be talking to you. So thank you so much for sharing um, all those experiences and thoughts with us. Thank you, it's, it's my pleasure. And, and I, I wanna echo the importance of collaboration and working together across different disciplines because that's something that we, we offer at the workshops that we hold and that Sabrina, you and I experienced at the first meeting where we met at the Jane Goodall Institute. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's industries that have typically been, that have been at past in the, that have been at odds in the past, um, such as maybe primate researchers and the sanctuary community. But when we work together, we can accomplish so much more. And everyone cares about these animals that they work with, and everyone wants the best for them and that's something that we can build on and that we do build on and and we certainly get farther through collaboration than through working separately absolutely it's about looking you know that meeting in the u.s at the jane goodall institute where we met we had lots of different people in the room from zoos and sanctuaries and you know and, but the common goal was chimpanzee welfare and and i think that those are the things that we then focus on right we focus on the things that unite us and, and also, when we talk about animal welfare, we talk about the now, right? What animals are experiencing now. So what might be our ideals or what we would love to see changed in the future uh, might still be very far away. Or like you talked about those women that never thought they would see that day, right? And so we have to focus on the now and caring for primates and other animals anywhere uh, because that is what matters to them now, right? Their well-being. Uh, while we are working on other, you know, roads uh, that hopefully are going to make changes for animals, and we and and it's important not to lose sight of that, right? What matters to animals That's now, uh, in this moment, their well-being, uh, because they they might not be there anymore in 40 years when finally some legislation might make changes for them, right? So true. I love that thought because even small incremental changes that we can make now can can be huge for primate in captivity and and that's very important to realize and it i think it also helps um helps absolve us from whatever might have happened in the past so there's a lot right to to be upset about that that we could focus on like oh all these terrible things that have happened in the past and you know maybe differences that we've had with different people or different industries but but focusing on now will get us past that and get us focused on positive changes that are attainable and that's really what is important so i completely agree with you and and you talk about so much work that is going on at napsa and you're the program director um and 
but can you tell me about the people at, at NAPSA or, you, uh, you know, how, how, does, how does it work? Because there's a lot of work and a lot of different people involved. But uh, <laughs> it <yeah>. is. <laughs> um, yeah, so our organization really is quite small administratively. I'm the only employee. Um, but uh, helping me along are a steering committee of um, representatives from each member sanctuary. And each one of them has an alternate who can help out too. So we have a number of committees that focuses on different things from public affairs to growing our membership to uh, event planning. And so it really requires all of us to contribute. And, and I'm so grateful that they do that because our members do this on a volunteer basis. I'm the only one who can focus on this every day, um, day to day, because the others are busy running sanctuaries and caring for primates. And that's uh, very important. <laughs> and I don't take that lightly. So. Um, I'm really honored to work with them and they all have so much wisdom to share and um, to guide my work. So I'm also very cognizant of the fact that I'm speaking on their behalf and on the behalf of the 830 primates living at NAPSA member sanctuaries right now. And that's a huge responsibility. So I try to be very cautious and keep in mind that all the sanctuaries have, you know, they may have some different priorities. Some are more focused on laboratory research. Some are more focused on getting apes or chimps out of entertainment or the pet trade. And so we really have a very diverse uh, group of topics that we work on. Um, our advocacy program is also something we're very proud about and, and you can view that on our website. Um, we write a lot of letters to celebrities, to corporations that exhibit or use primates in an inappropriate way. And by exhibit, I certainly don't mean zoos. I mean using them in entertainment or in a circus or something like that. Um, and so it's very important for us that we speak on behalf of those who can't. And um, that's a program that will never go away for NAPSA and that we will always maintain as a focus. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, the famous saying, you know, being the voice uh, for those who don't have that, you know, human voice to talk. Course they have their own voices but uh, yeah being that voice and, and you briefly mentioned uh, a, an important fundraiser coming up um, can you talk us a little bit more about that yeah so this is the first time NAPSA has taken on something like this but um, I mentioned that we don't normally fundraise for our members um, we do of course have our own expenses to fundraise for and we do that very in a small amount <laughs> But, um, but in August 2019, um, a non-member sanctuary called the Wildlife Way Station, which is located in, in Los Angeles, um, announced that it would be unexpectedly closing. And this was pretty shocking to the sanctuary community because this was actually the first exotic animal sanctuary in the United States. It was founded over 40 years ago. Um, it, it, you know, it had some problems over the years that were really growing pains. And um, I, I think anytime someone does something for the first time, you know, they're, they're learning as they go and that's to be expected. Um, but at the time that it closed, it had close to 500 animals living there. Everything from, you know, bears to horses to chimpanzees to monkeys. And, and so it was quite a shock. Um, the ownership of the facility and the, the care of the animals was immediately taken over by the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. And NAPSA and other sanctuary organizations stepped in to assist with placing the animals there. So 
NAPSA was happy to get all the monkeys placed at uh, reputable sanctuaries and other organizations did incredible amounts of work getting huge numbers of tigers and wolves and bears and farm animals um, out of that sanctuary because as you might imagine it's very expensive and difficult to care for such a large population of diverse animals um, particularly unexpectedly for California Department of Fish and Wildlife so they did an incredible job and still are but in the meantime um, you know the, the sanctuary community for primates tends to be at capacity um, I, I mentioned earlier that the the need for sanctuaries is is higher than ever before and so as a result most primate sanctuaries have waiting lists so the unexpected and sudden need to house to absorb 42 chimpanzees at the time um, was impossible. And we were able to rehome nine of those chimpanzees. Um, six of them went to primate sanctuaries that are experienced in caring for chimpanzees. That was uh, Chimpanzee Sanctuary Northwest and primarily primates. And then three chimpanzees went to the accredited zoo community. Um, and I should mention too that zoos are also full when it comes to chimpanzees and they couldn't take more than three. So we were grateful for who we got out so far, but uh, one chimpanzee passed away of natural causes at the way station. And now there's 32 chimps left. And um, we have identified trusted sanctuaries. There's four of them who are able to take the chimps in and care for them for the rest of their lives. But these sanctuaries need to build new enclosures and make room to take on more chimps, which is very understandable. Uh, it's also very expensive. So a fundraiser has been established. NAPSA is collaborating with a fundraiser, uh, fundraising group called Seventh Generation Advisors. And together, we are appealing to the entire world to help us out here because um, not only are we fundraising for the chimps to move to these sanctuaries and for the sanctuaries to build, but also we need to fundraise for their current care because California Department of Fish and Wildlife is having their budget threatened due to the economy in these COVID-19 times. And um, just because they were not expecting to have to care for chimpanzees for so long um, and, and their care is quite expensive. So there is a huge need to respond to this emergency. Um, you can learn all about it on our, uh, on our website. So again, that's chimpanzees.org. I'm sorry, <laughs> primatesanctuaries.org. And there's a, uh, a tab on top that says chimpanzees in need. And if you click on that, there's, there's tons of information on the campaign. There's a beautiful video that's been produced for us. Um, and you can keep, out, keep on the look for more videos to come. But uh, there's a case for support and details on exactly what funding is needed uh, for what purposes. So it's really um, something new for NAPSA, but somebody had to step in to save these chimpanzees and we're happy to do what we can, but it's certainly going to require a lot of public support for us to to be successful. Wonderful, thank you for sharing that. And, and we will definitely make sure that, you know, there will be a very easy link for people uh, to find chimpanzees in need and uh, what they can do to help uh, these animals and the sanctuaries build facilities for them. Um, because of course, you know, we all want the animals to have a really, really nice, good home to go to. So hopefully it's going to be a very successful campaign. And, and thank you so much for being onto this podcast today. And, and it's almost coming to an end and everybody likes 
and loves a good animal or primate. Uh, specific might be uh, because you really love primates. So let's say, can you share with us one last primate story um, of either a rescue or anything? Anybody that comes to mind that you would love to share with us? Oh boy, yeah, there's so many. It can be <laughs> yeah. it can be difficult to choose one, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know what? Here's a here's a recent one. Um, so I'll just pick one that just happened. Um, so there's actually a chimpanzee um, who was rescued from the wildlife way station and was fortunate to move to Chimpanzee Sanctuary Northwest along with two of his friends. His name is Willie B. And Willie B. and uh, his two friends, Honey B. and Maeve, all three of them had never been on grass before because the wildlife way stations enclosures were um, had like concrete floors. So he moved to this beautiful facility, Chimpanzee Sanctuary Northwest in Washington in the mountains. And they have a stunning outdoor enclosure with grassy hills and the fresh air. And if you look at their website and their, their videos in particular, it's just stunning. Um, but Willie B was nervous about going outside, which is very common with um, primates who have been kept indoors or in um, you know, man-made, on man-made surfaces. Um, but uh, with some practice and patience, um, they kept introducing Willie B to his outdoor enclosure. And slowly he was a little bit more comfortable poking his head out the door, a little bit more comfortable taking a step or two. And recently he just for the first time walked outside into his enclosure by himself. You know, he didn't need someone else helping him. And by, by someone else, I mean another chimp. Um, <laughs> he, <laughs> just to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> And he, and he did it and he walked over, if you look at their website, you'll see he walks down this little wooden pathway. He's still not on the grass yet, but he's touching the grass. You know, he sticks his arm over the edge and he touches it. And the important thing is that Willie B is proving the resilience of rescued primates. He's proving how much life they have left to enjoy, even after decades of captivity in less than desirable conditions. Um, and it just proves the importance of sanctuaries and the beauty of their care that these animals get the choice to do what feels good to them. And so Willie B didn't feel comfortable walking out there right away. It took him some time, some weeks, some months, but eventually he got there. And I think that's a lesson for all of us to persevere and to, to trust the universe to feel safe and to do what what feels right to them. And Willie B got the chance to do that at Chimpanzee Sanctuary Northwest. And we're so pleased because he has so much more life to live there and to enjoy. And I'm sure he's gonna thrive. Wonderful, beautiful story to conclude the podcast. I'm really delighted, Erica, that you were here with us today to talk about the North American Primate Sanctuary Alliance, NAPSA, and of course, all their full members and, um, you know, and of course, all the stories, all the links we will make sure to provide so people can, you know, learn more about NAPSA, the workshops, but of course, also about all the member sanctuaries. And uh, thank you so much for being with us today. And I hope one day, you know, you'll come back onto the podcast and then we can do a full hour just on primate stories, because I'm sure you and, and all the members have so many beautiful stories to share. We do. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me, Sabrina. All right, take care and be well. Thank you, you too, bye-bye. Already the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. 
Find us on your favorite platform and leave your comments and suggestions. Or go to the Animal Concepts website to send us your questions and feedback. We are so happy to answer them and address them in future podcasts. Animal Concepts is dedicated to helping you care for animals and yourself. Are you interested in quality animal care and welfare content, in actions and resources for you to be well while caring for animals? Then check out PAWS, the practical animal welfare science platform, which has webinars, science into practice case studies, private Facebook live sessions, and a lot of resources for you and the animals you care for. You can share your experiences and connect to animal care professionals and scientists from around the world. In the meantime, take care of you and the animals and keep buzzing.